Hi everyone and welcome to Train for Life Redeemed. I am your host Dan. I am joined by my father David Jackson. We are continuing to look at the book of Matthew. We are up to chapter 4. We look through the first 11 verses of chapter 4 today. Now, chapter 4, Dad, is the temptation. It comes straight after Jesus' baptism. Now, Jesus' baptism is given the Holy Spirit. You said in the last episode that it empowers him for his ministry. Why is he then straight away off into the desert? Yeah. Like, it's not even it's not even a wilderness, like, you know, a nice tree wilderness where there's lots of pine trees or anything. He's in the wilderness, which is, you know, on the banks outside of Israel towards the Jordan that's really dry, very <laughs> deserted. I'm sure there's probably photos in something somewhere that people could go and have a look at, but it is it is a barren land it is a over barren there. Land. Why is he going there? There's no people there for his ministry. What's he doing out there? Yeah. Um, if you actually go and subscribe to the podcast, you can go and get the notes. And in the notes, I've put the photographs. Um, and if you stand at Jerusalem and you look east, you're looking over what's called the Wilderness of Judea. And it's these, it reminds me of Broken Hill, except it's a lot more hilly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's as dry as a bone. It's sheep country. Um, and down the bottom of the gullies, you know, you might get a little bit of grass where the, where the creek might run. Mm. Um, but it's, it's terrible country. It's, it's very difficult to walk. And it's for the 10K east of Jerusalem, uh, down to the Jordan River, it's just dry as dust. Uh, and Jesus has just come out of the Jordan River down there and he's now crossed into the promised land. Mm. And he's been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he is working within the same limitations that you and I have. So except that he's born without sin, so he hasn't got our bad habits. <laughs> but he's um, he's not using his godness. He is working as a human being within those limits. And that's why until the age of 30, he hasn't done anything. Um, until he receives the gift of the Holy Spirit... He is not empowered to go out and do this job. Uh, and you'll see the same pattern happen in Acts 2, where he says to the disciples, you go wait in Jerusalem, hide out, keep your head down, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, then you can get out there and be my ministers mm. to the Jerusalem, Judea, ends of the earth. So the, the mission starts with the Holy Spirit. And I would suggest that when you read the New Testament, you read the Bible, uh, the kingdom of God is coextensive with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you have the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God has arrived. Mm. God is there. Uh, the king is there. So now that he has that power, what's the first thing he has to do? And as you go back through the Old Testament, uh, these are the steps of appointing a king. So this is the next step. And the next step is, so you've, you've the prophet has been told there's a king, go find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, that's what he did with Saul. Well, Samuel did with Saul and David. Then, when you find him, you pour oil on his head. In Jesus's, that was a symbol, and it's a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yep. So, John the Baptist has found Jesus. Jesus comes down to the river, dunks him. He gets up. He's got the anointing. Yep. Which makes him the anointed one. So he becomes the anointed one when he receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Before that, he hasn't been. And now that he's anointed and he's got the power of the Holy Spirit in him, the next job is, and you'll notice Saul and David both do this, 
as soon as they have the God with us, it's often dong your enemy on the head. Now, you know, Saul goes out and fights the Philistines. David goes out and slays Goliath. Jesus goes out and takes on the ultimate enemy, uh, the guy that's the cause of the whole business, Satan. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit says, right, I'm with you. Let's go. Let's do the business we're here to do. Time to go dong Satan on the head. And that's why he's in the wilderness and it's a one-on-one battle. Okay, so these 11 verses then are essentially describing the battle between Jesus and Satan. Yep. Okay, uh, so there'll be another description of a future battle, I guess, in Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> but same outcome. Uh, just spoiler alert there. Uh, so as we go through here there with the temptation, uh, yeah, Jesus is in the desert 40 days. He's hungry, he's thirsty, yep. uh, as you are when you're there. And that's when... Uh, the devil appears. He's called the devil a lot of times, or the tempter. It's only really Jesus who calls him Satan uh, yep. through this little passage. Uh, so, why is? I mean, obviously the devil is coming to this battle. And what, what are these three temptations? Is there something significant about the three? Is there um, something significant about what is actually addressed in each temptation, or is it just a general, you know? You're hungry, let's tempt you. <laughs> How many different ways can I get you to say yes? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I like this, to look at the contrast between this and what happened to Adam. Mm. Right? Adam's in a paradise surrounded by food, and it's beautiful. Jesus is 40 days in the desert, and he's fasting. Yeah. Um, so the visual image is absolute contrast. The, the physical challenge is absolute contrast. Satan hits him three times in three different directions, and it takes 40 days to knock him, to try and knock him over. Adam, from the account in Genesis 3, the whole thing would have been over in a minute. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, this, the contrast is shockingly how easy Adam fell and how, how long Jesus stood up to this guy. So, you know, we're going to tempt him in terms of his food. We're going to tempt him to test God. Uh, and then finally we get to the... see, And both of those temptations really are masking the ultimate agenda. The agenda is, I want you to disobey God and serve me as your king uh, and, and tell God to go jump. So don't have God as your Lord. Here I am. Bow your knee to me. Kiss my foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Satan's agenda. So he, he goes through this process... Um, he tries using the Bible, he tries working on his fears, his faith, his, his hunger, whatever it is. But the scene where he shows him all the kingdoms of the world is where we finally get to the truth. So Adam, when he bowed the knee and accepted the fruit from Satan, from his wife, he said no to God and he said yes to the devil. Yep. And at that point... Satan now rules all the kingdoms of this world. And the kingdoms of this world are now in revolt. The vassal has changed sides and left this king to go serve that king. Well, Jesus has come back to bring humanity back onto God's side. And Satan's saying, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. They're mine. Um, And the real temptation of that is, and you can skip the cross, I'll just give you the whole package right now. But if you want to serve Yahweh, if you want to serve God and do his bidding, well, I'm going to kill you. Hmm. 
So this is this is a powerful temptation, um, and I just love the way he ends it. <laughs> One of my favourite Greek Greek words, um, and I still remember Les Sloat, um, dear old Les Sloat, our Greek lecturer. And we're going through this passage, and he says, when you get to this word, you've got to pronounce it with passion. Jesus says to Satan, hupage. Yeah. And hupage means get out of here. <laughs> and it sounds... not quite that nice. It sounds... Well, it's beautiful. It sounds like a Maori haka, you know, yeah. just waiting. Um, get lost. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the king ordering the enemy off the battlefield. Um, and it's, it's, it's done with some rage, I think. Yeah, and with authority, because it, oh. ultimately Jesus has the authority over everything, like as as God. Yeah, yeah, that's. But as the man, yeah, as the man who's put aside all of that, feeling the weight of those temptations, we look at that and go, "Yeah, well, that's fine for him. He was God. Forget that. He was just like us when he said no to Satan." Mm. Um, and he is saying to us, you can do this. You've got a new nature as, hum- as born-again people. Um, no temptation can overtake in you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you can do this. You can say no to this beast. Yeah. Um, and therefore we're free. Uh, and our king led the way, defeated Satan. So we talk about him defeating Satan at the cross. He defeats Satan from the beginning to the end. And the first defeat of Satan happens right here. Yeah. And I like the way Satan slinks away <laughs> looking for another opportunity someday. Yeah, yeah. And you go, yeah, good luck, pal. <laughs> oh. Well, he essentially goes the other route of, you know, if I can't get him to sin, let's see if I can get him to die, which is the consequence of sin. <laughs> yeah, let's go kill him. If, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I can't persuade him, I'll just shoot him. Yeah. 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 Well, now that brings us to the end of this episode. If you would like your daily notes for this episode, please head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 62. You can get everything there. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you in terms of a review. So please review us on any podcast platform you're on. And we would also love it if you would hit the subscribe button to come back and join us next week when we continue to look through chapter four.